Hey folks, I am Ryan Goodman and you are listening to the Agriculture Proud Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at agricultureproud.com. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Agriculture Proud Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Goodman, and a special over a beer episode with my guest, Carrie Mess. Hello. And if you haven't met her before, it's also Dairy Carrie on all our platforms. Same thing. Yep. So if you're just tuning into the series, you need to rewind a couple episodes. Uh, we've talked about our story in agriculture and how we got here. Right. And then we talked about the state of advocacy. So where, where we started, where it's going. Yep. The changes. Yep. Ch-ch-changes. And then hot topics of beef and dairy checkoffs. So those are some things that in our communities, a little bit of a hot topic, but become a little more informed, right? right. Not, right. not that you can't challenge them, but right. know what's going on first, right? And then uh, we just finished talking up, how do we talk to activists, right? Did you just slur your words? No. <laughs> then I slurred hearing how, them. How do we talk to activists? <laughs> and of course, yeah, we're doing this over a beer. So, and we're not gonna lie and do our second picture <laughs> yep. of New Glarus's spotted cow beer. Spotted cow, you can only get it in Wisconsin. Yep, so every time I come to Wisconsin, I have to get my fair share. It is so good. Yep, and we're at Crawfish Junction, right? Which is the bar in Uptown Milford. That's right. So, if you're ever between Madison and Milwaukee, and you end up in Milford, which is a bar in a couple town or houses, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you're Wisconsin. Stop in Wisconsin place. We might get some cheese curds here in a bit. Yeah, I think we need we need curds. Yep, sure enough. So, but to get started on today's topic, so instead of switching up a little bit, I've got some questions for Carrie mm-hmm. on her topic of expertise: dairy cows. Yep. Moo. Moo. Cows say moo. Ask Silas. <laughs> That's right. So Silas is her son, and I've been doing a really good job as the adopted uncle. Of teaching him phrases this week. Right. So we're we're here at like Christmas time and Ryan taught him to say ho 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 or what does Santa say, ho ho ho, but Silas just says ho, which will really go well with the fact that he calls people cows all the time. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. Alright, so Carrie, start us off. Give us a primer. What's your role in the dairy business? My role in the dairy business, first and foremost, is I'm a dairy farmer. Um, in addition to being a dairy farmer, um, I am an advocate for the dairy industry and agriculture as a whole through my social media platforms and my blog, dairycarry.com. Give it a follow. Um, and so my whole goal is to talk to people who have questions about dairy. Yep. And so farming. your blog, which we just found out, by the way, <laughs> yes. comes up in Google search engines high enough that when you ask about Fairlife Milk... Yes. So if you say, Google, what is Fairlife Milk? It will say, according to Dairy, The Adventures of Dairy Carey, Fairlife Milk is blah, 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 blah. And really what it boils down to is Fairlife Milk is delicious, lactose-free, higher-protein milk. I like it. Higher-protein recovery from runs. Yes, yes. It's pretty good. Yes. But she's been writing about dairy for a little while. Uh, five years. Yeah. So, so much that Google recognizes that she's an authority on dairy <laughs> topics. I am the authority. <laughs> <laughs> scary folks. Respect scary. the authority. Fun stuff. So, you've written about a lot of topics over the years in the dairy business. So, first question, what are some of the hot topics um, that you've written about? 
Um, the biggest for me is animal welfare. Um, but that's also my niche. Like, so on our farm, I do a little bit of everything. You know, I can drive tractor and I do drive tractor, um, but cows are really my specialty. So that's what I tend to stick to is talking about how we care for our cows. So, um, animal welfare issues are probably my biggest topic, but I also, you know, I talk a lot about how we make sure milk is safe. Um, make sure there's not antibiotics in milk, talk about hormones in milk, talk about what is and isn't in milk in general. Um, talk about raw milk, I talk about um, how cows and calves are cared for, um, and why we plant what we plant, what we feed cows. Um, those are all kinds of big topics okay. for me. So let's walk, let's just take it through the production cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, in some of these hot topics and to learn a little bit about how you use these tools right. and how you address them um, and then how others, you know, use an example of how others might talk about them or similar topics on their farms. Sure. So let's start at the very time. Let's just start where, cal- where calving begins. Yes. Yep. So dairy cows calve year-round. That's a big difference from beef. And, you know, I didn't realize, but a lot of beef producers don't even realize that dairy farms calve year-round so um because cows have what's called a dry period which means two months before they calve we dry them off meaning we stop milking them um and so for those two months of their lives they're basically on reverse maternity leave and they just kind of hang out they don't milk they don't have a job um, and they just grow their babies um that is like a thing where we calve year round because if we didn't there would be a chunk of time where you guys wouldn't be able to find milk on the shelves so we take care of our calves um, or we take care of our cows during their dry period they have their calf they start milking again um, and and from that point on then in theory they will have a calf about once a year Mm -hmm. so when they have that calf you do separate it from its mother yep Yep. And you put it in its own house. It's right. hutch. It's hutch. A calf hutch. So um, we separate cows and calves for a number of reasons. But I think the biggest thing that people don't know about cows versus human babies is that a calf is born um, with no immunity. Like, uh, we can vaccinate cows, but they don't really pass those immunities on to calves in utero like humans do. So humans, you know, you vaccinate mom to make sure that the baby gets those immunities, but it doesn't work that way because calves get almost all of their immunities from colostrum, which is that first milk from a cow. And so to make sure our calves have the best start in life, we separate mom and baby. And then when mom, uh, we bring mom in, we milk her, we get that colostrum and we test it. We make sure it's really good, high-quality colostrum, and then we go feed the baby. Because the other thing that's interesting about calves is they aren't able to absorb those antibodies from the colostrum past 24 hours. And every hour after birth, their ability lessens to absorb those. So it's really, really, really important for that calf's whole life to make sure they get the best quality of classroom and at least a gallon of it um, 
as short after birth as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's like the biggest reason we separate cows. And so a lot of people also have the concern about, well, you're holding this calf now, you've weaned it mm-hmm. in its own little hutch, its own oh. little pin. So we haven't weaned it necessarily. Uh, a calf lives in a hutch for that, Sorry, that's beef person coming I know. out. <laughs> Separating the cow and calf, right. So we move a calf to a hutch. Um, and I liken it to think about if a human baby is born with no immune system, where would that baby be? In the infirmary. No, it's called NICU. <laughs> Ask the guy with no kids. It's like <laughs> that kid would be in the NICU if it was born without any kind of. Uh, antibodies against the bugs out there in the world and hard as we try cows are not litter box trained cows i don't think people understand this but cows will crap anywhere like they don't and then they'll lay in it like they're not a clean animal in the sense like a dog or a cat is where they will poop in one area and they don't go lay in it um that's not how cows work so um, calves and cows are are separated on dairy farms for for pretty solid reasons. And at, at the same time, I talk about this, and people are like, "Well, they don't do that with beef calves, right?" So when do you wean beef calves? Seven eight months. Yeah. So the difference is is that ten thousand years ago, when people decided to wean or, or decided to try to milk cows. The cows that tried to kill people for touching their babies did not go on to be dairy cows. The cows that didn't care and didn't have that maternal instinct and maternal drive, those are the ones who became dairy cows. And over 10,000 years, that only intensified. So I'm not saying that none of our cows ever exhibit any maternal instinct, but we don't have the maternal instinct that people would think of. It's same thing as having... Um, a dog in your house that is not actually a coyote. Like, we have all these breeds of dogs that have descended from wolves or coyotes, and that that's okay because they're far enough away. But they're not a wolf. But they're not a wolf. Yep. So dairy cows are not um, the same cow that a beef cow is. But, but the calves and the hutches, they have their own space, and right. they're not confined right. in a little crate. No, no, gosh, no. And they only live in there for about the first two months or so. It's like having your having a kid in a playpen in a crib. Like, no, we don't take them out and cuddle them like we do a human baby. But they get their needs met, they're taken care of, they're healthy, and then they're introduced to group settings after they're well-established. Yep. And making sure that they're healthy. They've right. got a great... You want the best start for those cats. Right. right, for sure, for sure. And so... That's that's a big question. So you've got a blog post about that. A calf, now what? Right? Right. And so let's move back to the mother. So the mother just had a calf. And right. she's going to start milking. Right. So what are some what are some questions and concerns that come up in that early milking stage? Um, in the early milking stage, people just want to know, well, do calves get colostrum? Yes, of course, for sure. And we milk cows... Um, you know, after they've, they've had their calf into a bucket. And, because we don't want that um, colostrum or that milk going into the general supply. And before it does go into the general supply of the milk you would get at the store, we test it to make sure it's clear of any antibiotics. And anytime we have a cow that gets sick and needs antibiotics, it is always tested before it goes into our tank. 
And now you can say, well, that's fine, but that's just your farm. That doesn't mean all farms do that. But the fact of the matter is, is every single tank of milk that is picked up on every single dairy farm, every single time, is tested for antibiotics. So um, when the milk truck comes and picks up our milk, um, they pull a sample, and it's got a barcode on it, and that sample gets tested off. Not, it's not us testing it, it's the plant. And if that tank of milk has antibiotics in it, not only are we responsible for the milk that we sent and we don't get paid for it, we have to pay for the entire semi-load of milk. That's a lot of money. Especially when you're running on tight or, in some cases, negative margins. For sure. Right? For sure. So no dairy farmer. Like, that is the worst phone call, is to say, okay, you contaminated a tank of milk. And it happens. I mean, it does. You treat a cow... And somebody else, you know, you, you forget to put leg bands on her. For us, we use leg bands that, that mark off that that cow shouldn't be put into the tank. And somebody else melts or you forget to put leg bands on and, and things happen. But there are so many fail-safes in place to make sure that that milk never reaches the store. Like, it's just, it's really not the worry that people think it is. No. So some people have questions. One of the hot topics that we, you know, we... We might have mentioned before is that so people are asking is there pus or blood in milk? Yeah, and people. I was yeah. really surprised that people actually Google this yes. stuff. Yes, yes. So is there pus in milk? No. That is basically a spinoff. And activists kind of made this a thing. It's a spinoff of understanding what somatic cell count is. So we check our milk for somatic cell count, and if a cow has mastitis, which uh, is an infection of the udder, she will have an elevated somatic cell count. And basically, activists decided that somatic cell count was the same as pus. It's not. It's not at all. And just be safe knowing that there is no pus in milk. Um, and then another thing that I've wrote about is, is chocolate milk made from bloody milk. I didn't even know this was a thing. But apparently it is, because I got asked about it on an airplane. And um, so I finally wrote a post, and I, I Googled first to see what was out there. And, and there was a lot of people saying it was. That, you know, since dairy farmers run on such tight profit margins, we don't want milk to um, go to waste. So if a cow has bloody milk, then it goes to chocolate milk. That's just not how it works, like, at all. Um, if a cow did have bloody milk, she wouldn't get milked into the to the tank. And even if she did, if she, if she had bloody milk and we did milk her, like we don't have a separate milk truck that comes to pick up bloody milk. Like you can't. That's just not how it works. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, not being, at all. being acquainted with the dairy business, and I have milked cows before at our farm. Yeah, um, <laughs> and others. Yeah, it. it I can't understand how people would, would kind of think that. But with the things they you see on the internet. They just don't understand how milk gets from farm to store. Mm -hmm. With the things you see on the internet today, you never know, right? Right. Yeah. So, in the bigger thing I think most people really want to know about is hormones in milk. They've heard about RBST or RBGH, and they're really worried that the milk that they're buying has added hormones in it. Um, and what I can say is we are a farm that has used RBST and, or RBGH, they're the same thing. So for this, I'm just going to call it RBST. 
or a farm that has used it. It helps cows produce a little more milk um, through their lactation. Does it add hormones to milk? No. Milk that comes from cows that have had RBST versus milk that comes from cows who have not had RBST has the same level of hormones in it. Um, and you can't actually test for RBST because it is, it is identical to the natural Bovine Right. The, the hormone that the cow produces naturally. But here's the thing. If you're worried about it, if you say, you know, I still don't like this idea, go to your store, pick up any gallon of milk. Doesn't matter what brand. Look at it. It will say that it comes from cows that are RBST free. And then flip it over and look back by the ingredients, which is funny, ingredients on milk because... Um, there's really not ingredients to milk, but milk. <laughs> <laughs> and vitamins A and D. Um, but look back there, and there's going to be a statement from the FDA that talks about how there is no difference in milk uh, from cows that have been given RBST. Well, and, and from a physiology standpoint, I can speak to this: is that like so? Somatotropin is a protein right. hormone. Right. So even if protein hormones such as somatotropin are in your milk, right. Well, guess what? Our stomachs digest proteins into right. amino acids. Right. And so protein somatotropin would be broken down into amino acids just like any other protein that you might be digesting. So even if you were to digest some of that, it'd be broken down in your stomach before, and it would not be digested or absorbed as So in English, we are not cows. Therefore, cow hormones aren't exactly going to have the same effect on us as it does on cows. So. Exactly. Um, and I think the big like thought on hormones is milk is that it's making teenage girls reach um, puberty earlier. And that has been proven wrong time and time and time again, but you still can't get beyond like that thought process. Part of that. Yep. Right. So moving to the next, so we've got cows and they're moving through the early lactation. Mm-hmm. So what's later lactation? What are some topics that you get? Um, questions about and maybe this might touch on some handling welfare questions Mm -hmm. that you receive um so first of all lactation means like their milk cycle break that down (laughs) um a lot of people don't understand how cows get pregnant they think that we repeatedly breed cows and that they're having more babies than they're supposed to have and all that and that's not true so a cow Um, has a gestation period of about nine months, same as humans. Um, So you cannot physically make a cow have more than one baby a year. Like, it just, (laughs) it's not how it works. Um, Just like in humans, you can't, a person really can't have more than one baby a year. Guys ask wives. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, yeah, twins happen, but that's not what we're talking about here. So, um... We on our farm use a process called artificial insemination. Um, that doesn't mean we force cows to get pregnant. That's, again, not how it works. So um, a cow comes into heat and we're breeding her using artificial insemination rather than a bull. Um, and the big reason is using artificial insemination versus a bull gives us a lot more genetic selection. Um, we can use lots of different bulls instead of having one or two bulls on the farm. 
Um, and bulls are, you know, like, I'm sure most people have heard bulls aren't, like, the sweet, docile creatures ever. So there's a safety component. It's not Fernando, right? No, no, not <laughs> Fernando the bull, or Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Ferdinand the bull. Yeah. Fernando is a totally different thing. <laughs> from Fernando. <laughs> yes, from Chata. Um, so it's safety for us. It's safety for the cows. Um, and it's genetic selection and opportunity to make sure we're we're matching cows to the right bulls to make the healthiest cows for the future of our farm to be clear artificial insemination does not harm the cow no 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 no. it's not rape no like some activists that's like the worst claim from activists as a woman to have somebody say well artificial insemination you're raping cows like oh my word no that's just not what it is no so another big claim that you get um, is the housing of cows. So yeah. when the cows are milking during right. their lactation period, um, they're in a barn. Right. So we use uh, we have what's called a free stall barn, which means our cows are free to move around in the barn and go lay down, go eat, go drink, and interact with the other cows whenever they want. Um, on our farm, we do have some pastures, so our cows are able to go outside when we open the gates, but they're not outside every day they're really not the side of our barns have curtains that we can take down or up so they see the sun they see outdoors and stuff on nice days but when it's cold because we're in wisconsin and it is cold a lot or even if you were in southern california or texas or mexico hot hot (laughs) right a lot um our cows are kept comfortable just like humans like you know a lot of people who want the cows outside all the time don't realize, you know, you don't spend outside, or you're not outside all the time. Why do you want to force cows to be outside all the time? So our cows do get to go outside um, on nice days. They have some area, but that's not like their main living area. And some farms make it work really well. Like there are grazing operations where the cows are outside and they have it worked out where there's, you know, trees and windbreaks and sunbreaks um, and water and feed out in the pasture for them at all times. Um, and then there's some farms who don't have any pasture at all. And I think the cows are just as happy at all of them. So it's really about what works best for the farm. So you've had one of your one of your topics that has come across really big is, is getting um, addressing some videos. That mm-hmm. people may see from Mercy for Animals, uh, Humane Society of the United States, um, a number of other groups, right. um, PETA, right. your famous PETA. famous PETA letter that they sent you. Yes, I got a cease and desist letter from PETA. It's like up on the wall. Right? It is <laughs> in my office. Um, and housing, you know, confinement, dirty situations is what yeah. we're most people may be exposed to. Housing right. conditions for cattle. Yeah. Right. Or or seeing people you know, do things to cows that they're not comfortable with, um, you know, either hitting them or using um, a cattle prod or, or machinery to move cattle um, that they see in these undercover videos. And I guess my bottom line is there's a lot more to, to be seen than just what you see in those kinds of videos. So um, I've wrote several different posts as different undercover videos have come out to to kind of share my perspective and number one thing is I do not condone abuse of animals no not at all and my my blog posts when a video like this comes out is 
absolutely not condoning that kind of violence against animals. But a lot of times when I see this video as a dairy farmer, I have a pretty good idea what the full picture is. Um, and getting animals up, um, moving animals um, is a difficult thing when an animal doesn't want to get up but has to to, to live. Mm -hmm. So, um, so an example from the Carolina video. North Carolina. So yeah. what did you see in that that was different? So in the video from PETA in North Carolina showed animals living in really horribly filthy conditions. The problem was the cows were clean in the video. Like I looked at it and I'm like, wait a minute, if the cows were living in this environment that they're showing, they wouldn't be clean. Like there's just, these things don't add up. So, so are you telling me these videos are staged? I don't think all undercover videos are staged. I think that abuse does happen. Um, just in any industry or parents and children, abuse is a thing. We can't ignore that. But in this particular instance, this video was, I believe it was set up to uh, show something that wasn't really a uh, day-to-day activity on this farm. So um, that video, not so great. No. So we've covered the cow production cycle. Right. And so after this, so cows are in later lactation and wraps back around to when they get their vacation. Right. Their early maternity leave. Pre-maternity leave. Pre-maternity leave. Right. Um, and, and wraps all around to that. So that's kind of the big the big cycle. Mm -hmm. and, and you've written about all these things at dairycarry.com. Right. You know, so for other dairy farmers that want to talk about these issues, but not you don't want them to copy what you've done. No. Right? No, that's not <laughs> what I'm going for. But how can they write about these things from their farms? Share their story, their perspective, how they do things, their photos, and their words. You know, use what you know to have those conversations. So we, in the industry as a whole, as far as being an advocate for ag, we all do the same kinds of things, but how we tell our story is going to be different and how we do things along the way is going to be different. So the things we do on our farm are not going to be the exact same as how the next farm does them, and that's cool. So we need more voices telling their story, but just we always have to make sure that those are authentic and our own personal stories, our own words. And how can our customers get access to dairy farms to when they have questions? So um, in Wisconsin, look up hashtag RealWIDairy or... Um, in general, look up hashtag dairy or dairy farmers. Um, just kind of reach out that way. Uh, just look online. I mean, farmers are out there. We're out there. It doesn't take too much to find us. Does it not? No. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> this is 2017. It's 2017, you guys. Use the Google. <laughs> <laughs> of course, on social media, you can find it. Right. All, well, actually, what I think you should do is you should go to dairycarry.com. Or find Dairy Carry on all the social media platforms, and right. there's your person to ask, right? Ding, ding. Winner. <laughs> all right. So I think that kind of wraps up our dairy topic and hot topics in the dairy world. Right. So what's going up next? We're going to talk to Ryan. About beef cows? About beef cows. You're going to put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, sure enough. But, you know, I think we're, uh, we're getting close to another beer. Amen. So we better move right along. And cheese curds. And you cheese promised curds. me cheese curds. We'll get that going. So this has been another Over a Beer episode of the Agriculture Proud Podcast. This is Ryan Goodman, your host, with guest Carrie Mess. And we'll catch you on the other side. 
Hey folks, this is Ryan, and before you go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in and listening, and I hope you're enjoying this Over a Beer podcast series with my good friend, Carrie Mess. Um, so we, we've, we're we sharing our comments and thoughts on some hot topics in agriculture and the world of advocacy, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So give us some feedback. You know, you can catch us online, social media is AgProudRyan or Dairy Carrie, or we'd love it for you to leave some comments on this episode's show notes at agricultureproud.com slash podcast, and you'll also find all the previous episodes there. Uh, just look up the show notes for this one, talking about hot dairy topics. And if you are enjoying the show, I do encourage you to subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a review and rating on iTunes so other people can find us and enjoy what we're doing. So until next week, this is Ryan Goodman with the Agriculture Proud Podcast. Thank you.